Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 134 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 134 of WrestleTopia gets underway. Happy Tuesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW gets underway. And last night was Monday Night Raw going down live from the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. And I gotta say, this is probably the best episode of Monday Night Raw this year. We had a great segment involving Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens that absolutely blew me away. I loved their segment and match despite the finish. I thought it was a highlight for me that really made me realize that we are under the Triple H administration officially, and I am loving mostly every moment of it. But let's start from the very beginning with Judgment Day coming out. And let me tell you something, Rhea Ripley. My God, I have always enjoyed Rhea Ripley, but her aura being the centerpiece of Judgment Day, rocking the suit, the energy she carries, the swagger, the confidence, the badassery, I am drawn into her. And it's crazy. And I love every iteration of Rhea Ripley, but this might be the very best yet because she is a bad bitch that backs down to nobody, no man or woman for that matter. And Finn Balor bragged about Ray and Dominic Mysterio not being there tonight and Edge not being in the building either as they're going to retire Edge next Monday in his hometown of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And Damian Priest lets him know, listen, this retirement is going to be a little bit different because there's no fallback plan for you. There is no acting career in your future. Your future will be me putting you in a wheelchair and your wife, Beth, pushing you around and feeding you through a straw. That's what's going to happen to you when I put you down in your hometown once and for all. And Rey Mysterio gets a jump on Judgment Day to a huge pop by delivering a missed drop kick to Finn Balor. Whoops ass accordingly until he goes face to face with Rhea Ripley. But he's able to avoid a chair shot attack by Finn Balor, grabs the chair himself, and he is going to beat down Finn for a bit. But once again, Rhea blocks his path as he goes after Damien. And Damien delivers a big boot to Rey Mysterio. Rhea Ripley drops Rey Mysterio with a DDT on the steel chair and they place the steel chair on his chest as Finn goes up top and delivers the coup de gras to wrap up the opening segment with Judgment Day setting tall over a down and out Rey Mysterio. Rey had his moments, he kicked ass for a bit, but the heel stood tall when it was all said and done and all I could look at was Rhea Ripley whooping ass and just being a force of nature out there. She gives me chills in the best possible way. And I am not opposed to Rhea versus Rey Mysterio sometime in the not too distant future. If WWE is ballsy enough to go in that direction, it should be noted that she is doing some minor physicality right now. She might not be 100% cleared, but I hope that she's able to get back in the ring full time and kick ass accordingly because this is probably going to kick her career into a higher gear than what we saw three years ago which is crazy, but she's locked in right now. And if she was not a part of Judgment Day, Judgment Day would not be judging anybody because they would be judged for absolutely sucking. But thanks to Rhea, they stand out in a good way and hopefully their promos will be a bit more tightened up because they do get the wet treatment quite often and I want them to have promos of substance to make sure they die down those chants in the very near future. But overall, a hot way to kick off Monday Night Raw from the nation's capital. Next up is the first round matchup in the Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament involving 
Asuka and Alexa Bliss versus Nikki Ash and Dewdrop. And I thought this was a good match for what it was as we had the Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair providing support for Asuka and Alexa Bliss at ringside and Asuka dancing to Bianca Belair's music. It's still a vibe a week later. I adore Asuka. And the action in this match was pretty solid as Asuka and Alexa Bliss delivered double hip attacks to Nikki and Dewdrop on the outside. As we go to commercial break, we come back and Nikki delivers a crossbody to Asuka from the top rope and Alexa Bliss breaks up the pin attempt. But unfortunately, for Alexa, Dewdrop comes flying in and she wipes her out with the crossbody and Alexa's down and out for a bit, but Asuka is going to absolutely rock Dewdrop with a spinning back fist, but Dewdrop responds to the Mishinoku driver for a close near fall. Eventually, Alexa Bliss gets the high tag and she lands a DDT on Dewdrop and she makes a high tag to Asuka once again, who lays out Dewdrop with a code breaker and she locks in a gnarly arm breaker that looks like an octopus in some ways as she cranks the neck and arm of Dewdrop drop and Alexa Bliss is going to stop Nikki from breaking up the submission by knocking her lights out and that leads to Dewdrop tapping out as Alexa Bliss and Asuka move on to the semifinals of the Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament where they will face EO Sky and Dakota Kai next Monday night from Toronto, Ontario, Canada and that should be a very good match and we wrap up the segment with another stare down involving Bailey, Dakota Kai and EO Sky alongside the Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair Asuka and Alexa Bliss. No fisticuffs tonight but we save that for next week in the great north of Canada. Maple Leafs for all. Next up is a tag team match involving Tomasa Ciampa and The Miz versus Mustafa Ali and Cedric Alexander. And this match was also pretty damn good. I love the tandem springboard set-ons from both Mustafa Ali and Cedric Alexander. Cedric goes for the neuralizer. He is dropped mid-handspring by Ciampa with a drop kick. As we go to commercial break, we come back and The Miz slows down the pace a bit as the heels work over Cedric for a while. But Cedric is able to get some relief from Ali, who is going to deliver an absolutely insane tope to Ciampa. This is him flying over the announce table at one point. The Miz tries to cheat with the roll-up victory on Cedric. That does not work. Eventually, Ali is going to get the tag and land a super kick on the Miz and goes for the 450 splash. But unbeknownst to him, Ciampa makes a blind tag and he is going to drop Ali mid 450 splash with a knee strike. I don't know where, followed by the fairy tale ending for the win. What a final one-two combo on Ali by Ciampa. Big victory. I do like the potential of Ali and Cedric as a tag team. Their wins were coming due time, but right now it's about building up Ciampa as a player on Monday Night Raw and ditching the Miz when the situation calls for it. Next up is by far the best thing from last night's show. Drew McIntyre comes out to let us know, hey, what's up, DC? I showed up to work unlike someone that is our tribal chief and undisputed universal champion. But I promise to bring back honor to those titles by having them on Raw and SmackDown on a regular basis after I beat his ass at Clash at the Castle. And I want to address some rumors about my back being injured recently. It's true, but it's from carrying all those guys on my back over the last three years. It takes a toll, but I'm a fighter and I'm a fighting champion soon to be, in fact. And I'm ready for new challengers in the form of Seth freaking Rollins, AJ Styles, Karrion Cross. I want them all. And that leads to Kevin Owens coming out and Drew says, add KO to the list as well. And Kevin Owens says, how convenient you mentioned my name after I come out and not beforehand. But let's talk about you, Drew, and what you said a while ago about you carrying that locker room on your back for the last couple of years. 
I don't think so. In fact, I don't think you really know who you are. One minute you wore a kilt, the next time you're swinging a sword around for fun. What is this medieval times? And then you talk in this really comical, tough guy voice to get everybody's attention. But I don't need all of that. I know who I am. I've been knowing who I've been for the last 20 years. And I've coasted for five years. There's no doubt about it. I had a little bit too much fun, but I had a revelation today entering this very arena six years ago. Sammy Zayn and I toured the house down at Battleground, proved to the world how great we are. We left it all out there in the ring, and I was motivated to come back as the prize fighter, as KO, the guy that puts fear into everyone. He comes across. Enough is enough. And it's time for a change because I'm gunning for every championship in WWE, the universal title, the tag team titles, the IC and United States championships as well. I haven't had a title in five years. I'm tired of waiting. I want gold around my waist once again. So whether it's you or Roman Reigns, I want the universal champion after Clash at the Castle. And Drew McIntyre had a great rebuttal. He was not going to stand there and take these insults as the fans were kind of rocking with Kevin Owens at this point. And Drew McIntyre said, I'll let you have your peace. But now it's my turn. I'm really tired of people like you trying to twist things around in order to get a cheap reaction. It's not going to work because I know who I am. Who do you think you're talking to? The guy that was the chosen one 15 years ago. And what good did that do me? I was fired, cast aside, and I had to work my way from the bottom to get back here. I didn't call WWE. They called me. And they realized what they had in me was a future champion who won the Warrior Rumble, who beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, and laid out Randy Orton. Was a two-time WWE champion at that. They lined them up. I knocked them all down. So don't pull that BS with me ever again. But if you want to prove yourself, let's do it right now. I don't care if we call ourselves sports entertainers, superstars. Right now, we're two wrestlers in a wrestling ring. Let's freaking wrestle. And I had goosebumps all over Kevin Owens, Drew McIntyre. They did that. The passion poured out of them. Sometimes you get yelly. I don't like it, but that was pure emotion. And they believed every word they had to say. And I thought it was an absolutely brilliant segment that set up a really strong match between McIntyre and Owens. And the crowd was very split for both guys. And the action was great. We got dueling Suck it DX chops for McIntyre and Owens early on. And Owens lands a cannonball in the corner to Drew McIntyre, lands a seton and a fog splash from the top rope on Drew McIntyre for a close near fall. Drew does come back with some nice overhead belly to belly suplexes to KO to regain the advantage as we go to commercial break. We come back and Drew McIntyre is back on offense by landing more suplexes on KO, followed by a DDT attempt that is blocked by KO, who lands a DDT of his own for a very close near fall. The action eventually goes up top once again with Owens going for a swanton bomb but McIntyre is going to get his knees up and hit some Michinoku driver for a near fall Owens is going to respond with a cannonball and a frog splash and a swanton for a near fall and I love the setup for this because we have Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens fighting in the corner and normally when McIntyre is in a tree of opposition he's going to deadlift himself up and throw his opponent in a suplex spot but in this case, Owens blocks it and he gets McIntyre in the tree of woe and delivers that cannonball that leads to the frog splash seton combo from the top rope. And it was seamless, it was creative, and it was a nice way to avoid that predictable spot of Drew McIntyre lifting himself up and throwing his opponent around with the greatest of ease. So the action goes back up top once again as Owens goes for a 
Fisherman's Buster Suplex from the top rope, but McIntyre is going to counter into a middle rope white noise in honor of his longtime rival and sometimes bestie Sheamus. Then McIntyre headbutts Owens. Owens lands a super kick. McIntyre clotheslines him, and both men go down. Eventually, they get back up and they're trading fisticuffs. They're wailing at each other. They pick up the pace, slow it down. The fans get into it when they pick up the pace once again. McIntyre avoids a pop up power bomb by Owens and lands the Future Shock DDT. Goes for the Claymore, but then he is ambushed by the Usos, and that leads to a DQ. It makes me very sad. The match ended this way, and McIntyre tries to fight back by delivering a very ugly clothesline to Jimmy Uso, who does not go over the ropes for whatever reason, and his night does not get any better as Jay lands right on top of him, thanks to Drew McIntyre tossing Jay out of the ring. But that distraction does allow Kevin Owens to land a stunner on Drew McIntyre, and he tells Usos to tell Roman that the Tribal Chief owes him one for laying out Drew McIntyre and KO walks away. The Uso swarm the ring to go after Drew some more, but he avoids the 1D, is able to lay out Jay and deliver a Claymore to Jimmy to wrap up the segment with Drew McIntyre standing tall. So I understand the DQ finish to a point, it sucks, but the match quality was so strong and it was a way to protect Kevin Owens, who's getting renewed push after sending Ezekiel on the shelf. And there was a funny bit when we saw Ernie Jr., the alleged father of Ezekiel and Elias. We saw Elias' whole family in the hospital room, which is pretty fucking hilarious. So the joke continues. But in any event, KO is away from the funny time now back as a prize fighter at long last. And I love the fact he has a mission statement. He wants a championship. And I would prefer for KO to re-team up with his best friend, Sami Zayn, to face the Usos for those unified tag team titles sometime very soon. That's the go-to feud to get Sammy back as a baby face and that would be a moment to see KO and Sammy walk out as unified tag team champs in the not too distant future and June maintains this aura as being the guy that could possibly dethrone Roman Reigns and caught off Wells in three weeks time on Peacock and I really love this renewed push of Drew McIntyre being a top guy he was that during the pandemic did not get his due because nobody was there unfortunately but he put in that work time and time again he spoke nothing but facts I saw it with my own two eyes and he delivered with no body in the fucking building during the first three months of his reign those are straight facts and he was able to thrive in a Thunderdome he had his moments with crowds back but right now he is more over than he's been since that late 2019 early 2020 push towards the Warrior Rumble when he was really getting over with the people heading into that year's WrestleMania, which was ruined by the pandemic, unfortunately. But he's back, looking better than ever, heading into Clash of the Castle in three weeks' time. Next up is Seth Rollins coming out, looking very outlandish in his latest fit, courtesy of King Troy. And he calls out Riddle, who is allegedly in his mom's basement with a lava lamp as he declares his retirement from WWE, or so Seth Rollins wishes. That does not happen, as Riddle has been deemed medically cleared to compete once again, despite Seth Rollins saying otherwise, and Rollins made fun of Riddle's alleged seventh grade education and how we could go into the farming business, which is very lucrative these days, wink, wink, in terms of the weed industry but riddle says i am not in my mama's basement in fact i'm here tonight i'm ready to kick your ass he comes out to the ring and he proceeds to whoop up on seth rollins with a nice t-bone suplex at one point he is going to get ambushed by rollins once again who's going to threaten to curb stomp him on the announce desk but Riddle is going to avoid that and land a nasty jumping knee strike to Rollins. It sends him flying over the barricade and Rollins runs for his life up the stairs and backstage as Riddle gives chase. But it's a bit too late as Rollins is ahead of him 
to wrap up this segment with Riddle celebrating with the crowd. And we have the match official between Rollins and Riddle at Clash of the Castle in three weeks' time on Peacock. It should be a great match if given time, of course. And I thought it was smart of WWE to delay this match because it was going to happen a little bit too soon at SummerSlam. The heat was kind of lopsided with... Riddle getting beat up every single week by Seth Rollins and you needed to reset things to give a bit of a balance in favor of Riddle and it's worked this week and I cannot wait to see how they continue to build this match leading up to the clash in a few weeks time in Cardiff Wells. Next up is Veer Mahan's return to Monday Night Raw as he absolutely demolishes a fella by the name of Bo Keller, a local yokel from DC. And Veer was being outpaced by Mr. Keller early on, but Veer wipes him out with a press slam followed by the million dollar arm clothesline, which is gorgeous, followed by the cervical clutch for the submission victory, which he would not let go of once the bell sounded, but he did let go and he stood tall. And Veer Mahan is just GQ ready on social media at all times. I do wish that we would try to make his character less foreign menace 1985 and more badass heel 2022 without the gimmickry of it all. I think we'll get there in due time, but we'll see. He has potential and squash match reestablished that if he gets more seasoning in the ring in the months to come. Next up is Bobby Lashley versus AJ Styles for the United States Championship. And this match was really good. But this is a rare case of babyface versus babyface not quite gelling with the crowd. They were very split. They didn't know what to do. They loved both guys respectively. And they were kind of cold early on until The Miz and Ciampa came out there to cause trouble at ringside. But the story of this match was Lashley working over the lower back of AJ Styles with suplexes and spine busters and AJ trying to counter with forearm strikes from the top rope to knock Lashley down a peg or two. It worked for a bit, but not long term. Now, as we get into the heart of this match, Lashley is going to be distracted by Ciampa for a bit. The referee does not see what's going on behind him as Miz stalks a AJ at ringside, he goes in for the kill, but somebody tries to jump over the barricade. It's a work, and it's none other than Dexter Loomis getting arrested again, and he's tackled by security. Corey Graves is moving out of the way as we go to a very abrupt commercial break, and it should be noted that earlier in the show, somebody set a fire backstage in one of the trash cans. It must be Dexter's work, but the question is, who is Dexter targeting? Because every time Miz or Chomp or AJ are in the vicinity, he's going in for the kill figuratively on who I don't know but we'll see as the story continues to unfold in a very subtle and creative way we come back and Miz and Chomp have been ejected from ringside that leaves Lashley and AJ Styles all alone to have their U.S. championship match and AJ Styles still goes for several forearms to rock Bobby Lashley Bobby responds with a nice running power slam for a near fall AJ is going to counter a top rope spot by Bobby and land the rack bomb for two Bobby grabs AJ for a modified dominator slams him into the ring post gets him back in the the ring but AJ Styles is going to go for a calf crusher and in the spot of the match Bobby Lashley is going to reverse that into a seated hurt lock it was seamless it was gorgeous and AJ Styles is able to break the hold just in time and goes for a pinning combination but unfortunately for AJ Styles he gets rocked with the spear a short time later as Lashley retains the United States Championship the match got better towards the end and the crowd heat did pick up but it's very tricky to do a babyface versus babyface match and both guys are so liked by the crowd they don't know what to do and that will lead to a crowd sitting on their hands not knowing what to do until those new 
Virginia Falls kick in, which they did wake up for down the stretch. Next up is Dakota Kai versus 24-7 champion Dana Brooke. And this is a spotlight match for Dakota Kai, who is going to land her running face wash kick in the corner to Brooke for the win after taking the handspring elbow from Dana Brooke moments earlier, but the outcome was never in doubt as Dakota Kai and Io Sky are ready to face off against Asuka and Alexa Bliss in the semifinals of the Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament next Monday in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And now it is time for our main event. And it's a little unbelievable, but it was in fact Dolph Ziggler versus Austin Theory. It was set up backstage earlier in the show as Theory brags about being Mr. Money in the Bank and he's going to pick his spot more wisely next time when it comes to cashing in. And that leads to Ziggler coming out to say, I've been where you were. I was Mr. Money in the Bank, but it wasn't given to me. I earned it. And I cashed in and became world champion because I earned it. You know nothing about earning your spot or your worth. And Theory responds saying, you're right. You were Mr. Money in the Bank once. You were the world champion once. But that was years ago. And we're talking about the here and now. And I'm the future. And you're the past. It's not my fault. You never reached the top again. And you might not be here when I cash in and make history and become one of the youngest WWE champions of all time. As you waste away as it has been. And Ziggler headbutts Theory. They get into a scrap. They knock the camera off as we go to break. We come back and they're still fighting, which sets up the aforementioned main event which was definitely a risk now I go back to last week's main event which was advertised during the third hour it was Miz versus AJ Styles I held up pretty well this one is a bigger test for Paul Levesque aka Triple H Papa H Uncle Paul because theory has been pushed a lot in the last few months under the previous administration and he's Mr. Money in the Bank and you got to push him. You got to put him in spots to succeed. And I thought he held his own against Ziggler. It was a cold main event. The crowd tried to get into it, but it was kind of hard because once again, Ziggler, for all of his many attributes as a wrestler, he's still cold as a baby face as he's not real fleshed out since beating up Theory about a month ago in Theory is hated by the fan base right now. But I thought he probably delivered his best in-ring performance on the main roster to date as he popped Ziggler with a punch and he shoved him into the ring post time and time again going after that shoulder to slow down the pace. So Theory lands a rolling drop kick through the ropes for a near fall. He goes for another one, but Ziggler counters out the Famouser for a nice near fall. But once again, Theory shoves Ziggler into the ring post to go after his bad shoulder. So at one point, Theory's going to go for a roll-up on Ziggler by grabbing the ropes. That does not work. Ziggler goes for another roll-up. That does not work. And Ziggler lands a zigzag on Theory, but he kicks out. And the finish comes when Ziggler goes for another Famouser, but Theory picks him up and lands the ATL and a clean counter for the win. I thought the finish was very sleek, but this was a pretty numbing main event because Theory and Ziggler are not over, over with the people right now. And you saw empty seats when we came back from commercial break because this was not a compelling main event. There was no debut or surprise. And I'm guessing that maybe WWE thought to themselves, hey, Butter Call Saul is going to have their series finale tonight around 10 o'clock on AMC. And we can't beat that demographically. So let's fold up and close shop early. I don't know. We'll see how the numbers shake out later today to see how that third hour fared. Because last week it was Miz versus AJ Styles in an ODQ match and it held up pretty well. I don't expect similar results for Ziggler versus Theory, but I've seen stranger things happen. But it's also a test to see where Theory can be as a main eventer eventually. And I thought he passed in ring wise, but his character still needs work. And I still say to this day, he's better off as a dumbass during his days as a member of the way 
with Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis, Indy Hartwell, Candice LeRae. I love them. They were a kooky, quirky family, and it properly showcased Theory's personality as being an absolute ditz. And that's his best work. And I hope he finds a balance where he can really get over as a personality because it's there. I've seen him really make me laugh in the last year or two. And I hope to see that again with a fully realized character on the main roster. And with that, this wraps up a very good episode of Monday Night Raw. We're four for four under the Triple H administration. There's still some kinks to work out in terms of DQs and questionable main events, but I like where the show is. I like the promos being looser and sounding real and natural from people that love professional wrestling, that breathe it, that appreciate it. And it's no longer considered a dirty word. We're a sport, goddammit. And we live up to that every single week by putting on bangers in the ring. That's all you can ask. And I love how that philosophy is changing across the board on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT 2.0. It's going to be an ongoing process. People are not going to be hot overnight, but you put them on TV, let them shine, and give people a reason to care. And that will be a recipe for success moving forward. WWE in two weeks has made the United States Intercontinental Championships mean so much more. Their champions mean everything. Their challengers mean something as well. And that is how you make people care about these matches. The face-face dynamics could use some work. But if you build up people for these matches and give people a reason to say, I got to tune in for that, I got to pop for that, then you have a winning combination on your hands. And you can see the direction they're going with certain people. And you see how there is a vision for the future that was not apparent maybe a month or two ago. And that is very encouraging to see. It is still a work in progress, but thankfully the show across the board is more stable and coherent. And that's all I want as a wrestling fan for years. I've always said consistency is key. You give me one or two good weeks and we fall off the rails after that. We're four weeks in, I'm happy. Is everything perfect? No. But consistently, I am entertained and less angry, which is definitely a step in the right direction viewing the flagship show on the regular. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 134 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Wrestleptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming by these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do. Search Wrestleptopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Auto Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 82 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand as they present Heat Wave. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.